So I reckon when we make New Year's resolutions, what we're really doing is that we're finally getting to that point at the start of a year where we say, this is what I really want for this year. You know, in the busyness of normal life, uh, we forget about what we really want and as we start again, we say, this is what I really want uh, for this year. So what is it? Uh, If you were to have a piece of paper in front of you right now and say, in 2011, I want dot, 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 what's it going to be? What's your one thing? Perhaps it's in 2011, I want to spend more time with the children. Uh, that'd be a good thing if you're a parent here and uh, for many of us that will be the sort of resolution that we're making. This is going to be the year where things change. I'm going to spend more time uh, with the children. It might be in 2011, I'm going to spend less time wasting time uh, watching cricket games that don't matter <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's uh, one of mine for the new year. Uh, it might be uh, in this year uh, when finances are getting tight for us as a country. This is the year where I'm going to get my finances sorted. Everything has been a bit of a muddle in recent times. This is the year uh, where things are going to get sorted out. Or perhaps if you're at school, it's going to be this is the year where I'm going to make some good friends. I don't have many good friends at school and I'd love some good friends. This is the year uh, where I'm going to make some. Or perhaps you're at the end of school. You're in your final year. You're on the home stretch. Uh, this year, at least for the first half of the year, is, is going to be all about my A-levels. That's what I'm going to be doing uh, for this year. I want this year to be focusing on uh, getting through that and doing well in that. Or perhaps it's the, the classic New Year's resolution that this is the year where I'm going to get fit. It's going to happen this year, absolutely. I'm going to make these elaborate plans. I'm going to run a marathon every day. I'm going to do all these things. Uh, this is the year where I'm going to get fit. So let me ask you, what is it? What is your one thing? What do you want in 2011? And it's an interesting question because it's actually one of the most common questions that Jesus asks when people come up to him, and when people are, are planning to follow him, they come up to Jesus, he, one of the common questions he asks them is, is what do you want? Uh, what do you want from me? And I reckon this morning, uh, we're actually going to look at that in reverse in this passage, Luke 14. It's worth having open if you've shut your Bible again, uh, page 1048. We're going to be looking at that for a few moments. Because what this passage does is rather than uh, answer what I want, it says this is what Jesus wants. In 2011, this is what Jesus wants for you uh, as you head out on this new year. And I reckon that's a great question to ask as you're making plans for the year ahead. What would Jesus say? What would he put at the end of that piece of paper? This is what I want for you in 2011. Let me read uh, the first few verses of it. And I'm going to read from the contemporary English version. It's just a bit simpler than the one you've got, but it's worth having it in front of you. Page 1048. Large crowds were walking along with Jesus. And he turned and said, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. You cannot come with me unless you love me more than you love your own life. You cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and come with me. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What's the first thing you'll do? Won't it be to sit down and figure out uh, how much it will cost and if you have enough money to pay for it? Otherwise you'll start building the tower but not be able to finish it. Then everyone who sees what is happening will laugh at you. They will say you started building but you couldn't finish the job. What does Jesus want from us in 2011? What does he want for us this year? Two things, two words uh, to remember today. If you remember nothing else, these are the two things he wants for you. He wants you to love and he wants you to live. He wants you to love and live. This year, 2011, is to be a year where we love him and we live for him. That's what this year is about if we're following what Jesus wants for us. And, uh, and I reckon with, with all New Year's resolutions, especially one as important as this, because this is Jesus' New Year's resolution for us, we're going to have a plan. 
to actually see that coming about. Because if, if you're like me, you make a New Year's resolution, but then January kicks into gear and uh, life gets in the way and uh, all the plans disappear. So we need a very deliberate plan if we're going to love him and live for him this year. In fact, our passage says if you don't make a plan, if you don't carefully think through how that's going to work this year, then you're a fool. And this is what Jesus says. He says, if you're going to plan to follow me this year, to to love me and live for me, it's a bit like building a tower. That's what uh, following Jesus is like. It's a bit like building a tower. And that's what we're going to do this morning as we think about how to love him and live for him. We're going to build a tower for ourselves here at the front just to see what it looks like uh, to follow him. These two things that we're going to see. Firstly, to love him. That's our first goal for this year, to love Jesus Have a look again at our passage, verse 26, and you see it there. You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, more than you love your wife or your children, your brothers or your sisters. You cannot come with me unless you love me more than you love your own life. If you want to follow Jesus in 2011, it's going to mean that you love him more than you love anyone else in this room right now loving him better than anyone else in this room. And when Jesus says that, he's not talking about sort of a Disneyland love, a sort of a wishy-washy feeling. He's talking about commitment. He's saying, uh, the way you show you love me is that you build your life on me this year. You say, I'm committed to Jesus this year. Essentially, this is what you're saying. My life is about this. If if I was to walk around uh, with a summary of my life for 2011, this is what my life is about. Jesus and me. Uh, That's what life's about for me and that's what I'm saying in 2011. If I love him, I'm saying more than anyone else, this is a relationship that's important to me this year, Jesus and me. And so if we're building a tower, that's the foundation for us. That's what we're building our life on in 2011. Now, I reckon most of us would say, yes, I agree. That's the most important relationship for me. Uh, But before we say yes and head out into the new year, have a look again at verse 26 because I reckon Jesus gives us some pretty good other options other relationships that we might think are just as important as that one. He says, uh, you could love your family more than Jesus. Uh, For the children here, it could mean that you you could easily love your mum and dad more than you love Jesus, couldn't you? I mean, they're always with you, they're they're giving you everything you need, uh, always looking after you. And so let me ask the children here, do you love your mum and dad more than you love Jesus? Especially at the moment, perhaps they've been uh, particularly good to you, in recent days with Christmas presents and things like that? Do you love them more than you love Jesus? Or for the dads here, because Jesus mentions loving your wife, he says, do you love your wife more than you love Jesus? Do you love your kids more than you love Jesus? It seems reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, that's what they want from you, to give give them your best love, your your best to your children and to, to your wife. But is that what Jesus wants? I mean, families are important to us, aren't they? They're important to all of us. And it's easy to have a life where we build our life on our family, to have, rather than Jesus here, we have my family and me. That's what my life's about, my family and me. Or perhaps it's friends, especially for the children here. As you think about going back to school, you might not be looking back forward to Tuesday rolling around, but uh, I bet you're looking forward to seeing your friends again. I mean, how good are friends? Uh, No matter what age we are, friends are great. It's easy to say, uh, life for me is about my friendships, the people that are closest to me, not just my family, but my good friends. And then there's one other one that uh, Jesus mentions in verse 26. He says, you could love yourself 
more than you love Jesus. And that's pretty easy to do, isn't it? Because you're pretty lovable. And so there's all sorts of other things that we could build our life on, ourselves, our family, our friends, all these relationships. And so we need to decide whether we can actually love Jesus more than these things. And I reckon the way we decide that is that we need to decide whether he's worth loving better than any of those things. And so let me ask you this. The first question is easy. Is Jesus better than you? That's an easy one, isn't it? For most of us, uh, we're not so uh, in love with ourselves that we'd say, yeah, no, I'm not sure about that. Of course he's better than us. He made us. Is he better than your best friend? You know, the one you're really looking forward to seeing this week at school, is he better than your best friend? Or how about this? For those of you who have got families, especially families you love, is he better than your family? Is he better than your mum? Is he better than your dad? Well, I reckon he is. And I know you are lovable, but I reckon he's worth better love than anyone here. Now, I want you to picture in your head your best friend or your family on their best day when everything's going right and everything's perfect. Maybe it was Christmas Day. I don't know what it was like for you. And then see how Jesus is even better. Let me give you some reasons to go away with uh, today, reasons to head into this year, why Jesus is better than even your best friend. He's better because he made you. He's better because he sustains you. He's giving you your next breath of air right now. He's better because he loves you far more than you could even imagine. He's better because he knows you, even the things that you do wrong. He knows you and he's forgiven you, all of them. He's better because he knows the things that you find hard, the things that you struggle with, because he's lived here too. He's better because he can bring you joy that will last forever, not just for a few hours. He's better because he gives us rest when we're tired. He's better because he listens to us every time we pray and he always gives good help. He's better because he can be trusted, because he's always fair. He's better because he's your king. And so Jesus is better than anyone I love and so I must love him the best. That's what this year needs to be about. Jesus is better than any person you love. So as we've said, build your life on him. If you're going to build your tower, the things that make up your life, build it on the one you love the best and that is Jesus, uh, better than anyone else in your life. And so we start to build a tower. We, we head into this new year and we say all the different things that make up my life, uh, coming along to church on a Sunday, going to work, on Tuesday, going to school, spending time with friends, uh, the way I spend my money, uh, the things I watch on television and on the computer, I'm going to say everything I do is built on the fact that I love Jesus. And so I'm going to build this tower. All my life is going to be built on him. And I guess the question we need to start asking ourselves as we head into this year is, how much of my life in 2011, how much of my life am I going to build on Jesus? Am Am I going to say it's all about the fact that I love him and I'm going to live for him in all of those things. Not just love him, I'm going to actually live for him in all the aspects of my life. Am I going to do it just with a few things, you know, the sort of religious things, the things that we do together on a Sunday, coming to church, uh, perhaps I'm in a small group, perhaps I'm in the seekers group across the way or I'm on Sunday AM or I go along to Lighthouse or whatever it might be. I'm going to do that. Those Those things will be on my tower. But then there's the other stuff. What about the stuff that I do with 90% of my life? when I'm not here on a Sunday, when I'm not at my small group, when I'm just, well, I'm just me. I'm just getting on with stuff. Does that stuff go on there as well? I reckon when we first become a Christian, I reckon we'd say, yes, all of it. 
I want to put all of my life on Jesus. I want to say he's the best and I trust him with everything in my life and I'm going to live every part of my life for him. But then as we go along, as we go along as Christians, as we've been a Christian for a while, we start to think, well, you know what, I'm not sure about that. As we get more and more blocks in our life, life gets more tricky, there's more things in our life, we start to think, maybe I'm going to start to hold a few back. Maybe I'm going to start to just keep a few back from Jesus because I don't really see what he has to do with him anyway. And so here we have, if I can finish it, here we have a complete tower. This is my life. And we start to think, you know, maybe, maybe not all of it. Maybe I'll hold a few things back. And so we start to think about something like our home. You know, we love our homes. And think about your, your mortgage for the year ahead, if you've got a mortgage, the parents here or the, the adults here, if you're still paying off a mortgage and you're thinking about what to do with that. Well, I can't see how Jesus has got much to do with my mortgage. So when it comes to that, when it comes to the plans I have, 2011 might be a year we do all sorts of exciting things around the house and, well, that's got no, nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus is, is the bit on Sundays and small group and stuff. He doesn't think about renovations. So uh, let's take that bit out of our tower or maybe for, for the children here when it comes to school, well, yes, I'm a Christian, but it doesn't really affect me going to school very much. I don't think about what it means to live for Jesus at school, so I just, I just go to school, I eat my lunch, I, I, I do the maths, I do whatever I've got to do, I come home. It doesn't really affect my relationship with Jesus. And the same for uh, the workers here, the mums and dads or the, the, the adults who are workers. We might think, well, you know, I go to work, I, I get up, I, I do the things, I enjoy my work, or maybe you don't enjoy your work, but... I'm not sure how Jesus has much to do with that. I don't live for Jesus at work other than maybe telling people about him from time to time. There's, most of the time I'm just, well, I'm just working. So that doesn't have anything to do with him. And we might do the same with our friends. We might say, well, I've got friends, but I'm not sure how being a Christian friend is any different to being not a Christian friend, so I'll, uh, I'll get rid of that one. And then it comes to big things for us as well. We start to think about our marriage and we make plans for our marriage in this year ahead. And I'm not sure how Jesus changes that very much. I just get on with it and I do what I can in my marriage but uh, I'm going to take that out as well. Or hobbies. Perhaps you've got a new Christmas present. Perhaps you've got a new bike or a skateboard or, or a Wii game or whatever it might be and you're thinking, again, I can't see how being a Christian affects me using that. So let's, let's get rid of this. It's getting a bit harder here. Or our money. Or how we use our money in the year ahead. We might think, well, yeah, I know, I give some money but the rest of it, that's the... That's a different tower altogether. That's, that's something else, so I'll get rid of that. Or what I watch or what I listen to or uh, what I use on the computer doesn't really affect my Christian life, so I'll take that out as well. And then there's my family, especially my extended family, those who don't know Jesus. I'm not sure how being a Christian changes the way I relate to them. And then there'll be for some of us this year, and uh, there's no plans for this, you're not making plans, who makes plans for this? This year might be a really hard year uh, for all sorts of reasons. You might be hit with illness or someone you love might be hit with illness or suffering and, and you'll, you'll think, I'll just get through that, then I'll go back to Jesus and me. Uh, I won't have Jesus in the midst of all that, I don't see how he fits in, it, so I'll just leave him out of that. So we take that block out as well. And eventually... Eventually, you take out so many blocks that the whole thing comes crashing down. Your life might not crash down. You've got plenty of other blocks in other places, but when it comes to your plan to live for him, all your life for him, well, that, there's only a few blocks left. 
That's easy to do, isn't it? Easy to live life where we slowly take more and more blocks away from him. Saying, I'm not going to live for Jesus in that area. But what our passage says, I don't know whether you read it, in verse 33, if you look down there, you see how much of your life Jesus wants? It's a pretty high demand. He says, I want all of it. All of your life. Every block, every part that makes up your life. Because he knows, and this, is, this seems backwards to us, but he knows the truth of it. He knows that if we try to cling on to our life, grab hold of it, it'll all crumble. We'll lose it. But if we give control to him, if we say, yes, I'm going to build every block of my life on you, then we'll save our life. So let me encourage you as we head out into a new year this year, don't be a fool, as Jesus says in this passage in 2011. Count the cost of living all of life for him, every every little block. Live for Jesus. Remember this, he is worth it because he is better than anyone or anything in your life. And just as we finish, let me say this. Know that each one of us are going to make some pretty foolish choices this year. Each one of us is either going to not give him our best love at points or we're going to pull things away or we're going to say, no, I'm going to keep this for myself. We're going to do that, even with the best plans today, even going home today and saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that. We're going to do it. And when things come crashing down, remember this, he is the best. He will forgive you every time. He will help you. He knows the things we struggle with. And so 2011, love him and live for him. And when we fail, come to him again. Uh, Ask for grace in your time of need and know that he will give exactly what you need every time. Well, let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we do thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you that he is the best, better than our best friend, better than our family, better than anyone or anything in this world. We thank you that he loves us so very much. We thank you that he's always there. We thank you that we can trust him completely. And so we pray, Father, that we will love him with our best love this year and we will live for him in all of our life. Amen.